Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. I want to thank SIFWA, the science fiction and fantasy writers of America who put on the Nebula Conference and do the Nebula Awards uh, because they were very nice to, to give me a pass so I could come out there hang out a little, uh, and we'll have a couple of interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks, one with Rebecca Roanhorse <gasps> and one with Greg Van Eekhout. Nice. That's awesome. How was, how was Greg? I know we've chatted with him a little bit on the internet before. Yeah, no, great. He's great. Uh, we, he, we, uh, got together, uh, and, uh, you know, took a little time to, to interview. Um, and it's, it's a very lovely conversation, much of which is about dogs. California bones. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my joke for the night. Um, that's awesome. Well, thank you for going in and doing those interviews. I can't wait to hear them. I wasn't able to join you, but our intrepid reporter, Tom Merritt, <laughs> went down there on his own and got some I wish I had had more time. Stuff. I was so scatterbrained as it was. I hope I didn't come off as a blithering idiot uh, talking to these folks, but they were both wonderful. So well, I'm that sure is very typical of you to just mm, babble on, so not make true. any sense, not mm-hmm. be really thoughtful. I know it's really, that's a huge problem of yours. <laughs> So I'll be looking for that, Tom. You better mm-hmm. believe it. I'm you gonna just be wait. watching. I'm gonna be you just watching wait and listening. Till I call him Gregory Van Eekhout. And he's like, No, it's just Greg, Tom. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know why. We, we talked we talked about this. <laughs> That's literally what, what happens at the beginning of that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for doing and that. And I get Sifwo wrong. I'm like, science fiction writers is like science fiction and fantasy. You left out you left out me. You left out the whole side of my I told, genre. I immediately said Veronica's going to be very upset at me now. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? I'm having a Bordeaux. It's a Trader Joe's oh, Bordeaux. Boy. It's called Le Porte de Bordeaux. <laughs> uh, and from what I could tell, it's not very highly thought of. But I'm fine with it. It's, you know, $7.99. Drink's great. I was very happy. I finally got to drink the Game of Thrones wine that Tom gave to me like two years ago or something. Uh Uh, It was surprisingly good. I'm not saying I just you would think like, yeah, yeah, totally get what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, well, when you slap that label on, you could they, they might skimp on the quality of the wine, but it sounds like maybe they didn't. It was very nice. It was a blend. Um, mm-hmm. And we all drank it. We had some friends over to watch the finale. And we're like, wow, this is quite good. And then Bonnie Burton, um, our friend, also posted on Instagram. I guess she had a bottle, too, and was uh. like, this is really good. <laughs> I was like, I know. <laughs> Maybe it just needed to be aged a couple of years. Maybe that was the key. It was it was well aged, that's for sure. Um, but otherwise, nothing drinking nothing tonight. Still, I, I had a wild weekend. Did you? Um, I did. You know, it's it's a little harder to bounce back from those nights at the club with your mm. with your lady friends. Tell me uh, about it when you're getting in your late thirties. So yeah, the old liver just don't work Ooh. as well as it used to, does it? Not so much, not so much. Um, but it was a, it was a good time, good time dancing, dancing, and lady times were had by all. That's great. Sounds yeah. Fun. Uh, so let's jump into the quick burns. 
Yes, indeed. As we mentioned, the Nebula Awards were announced, uh, and Ian posted it over on the Quick Burns. Uh, happy Nebula Award, Mary Robinette Cole, who Yay! won for the Calculating Stars. Uh, novella went to The Team Master and the Detective, Novelette to The Only Harmless Great Thing, and Dramatic Presentation to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mary Robinette looked so awesome in her dress. I don't know if you saw pictures from the Nebulas that she posted on on Twitter, but she looked amazing. She looked like a starry sky. Ah, uh, that's so good. I was so happy for her. So by very, the, the Black very Mirror, many congratulations. Oh, sorry. Uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch by Charlie Brooker uh, won game writing. That's the Netflix show where you could choose mm-hmm. where to go, and it got put in the game writing part. You know, so. I realized I, I never watched that. Uh, it was actually mentioned I was speaking on a panel today at Digital Hollywood down in L.A., and uh, one of the panels that I saw while I was there was about OTT and all these experiences, and, and Bandersnatch was brought up. And I didn't know because I didn't watch it that you could not do the interactive elements through Apple TV. No, yeah, you could do them through AirPlay. Um, you could oh. play from your phone, which is how we did it, but you couldn't do I it see. on the Apple TV app itself. Yeah. So I would have been annoyed had I tried to watch it, but it looked too scary for me. So I never tried. Eh, I don't know. If it was that scary. No. All right. No, it was, it was you. Have you ever watched any black mirror episode? I have. Yeah. Yeah. It was no different. It was probably one of the tamer ones. Really? In that series. Yeah. That's not how I pronounce Daradara's name, by the way. That's not <laughs> That's the new, new pronunciation. pronunciation. Wow. I don't even know how to spell that. She says the Folio Society is releasing a beautiful edition of A Game of Thrones in July. The book will come with original artwork by artist Jonathan Burton and an introduction by Joe Abercrombie. It will be in two volumes and it won't be cheap. $195 US for the set. You can read more over at The Verge. Now, of course, this isn't the complete series because right, it hasn't like, been published yet. It's so just the Folio a Game of Society, Thrones? Yeah, the Folio Society is like, don't worry, we'll get your money later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is just Game of Thrones in two volumes. Okay. For 195 bucks. I mean, it's a lovely looking book. They, don't they look get stunning. me wrong. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh, that looks like tattoo-worthy art, frankly. Comes with a slip cover, you know, it's that kind of that kind of deal going on. And lots our, of good illustrations. And of course, a wonderful introduction by our our dear dear friend, Mr. Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> yeah, which is worth to... the price of admission alone, I would say. $195 just for the introduction. Just for the introduction alone. <laughs> I can't disagree with you, because that would be rude. Uh <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. Uh, Joe Abercrombie introduction is pretty pretty cool. That's a pretty epic. an excellent perk to add in with all that stuff for sure. How'd you feel about the now that we're done? Uh and and we'll we'll be non-spoilery. Uh but how how, how did you feel? is that even possible? Should we should we adjourn uh this to the end of the show? Let's should adjourn to the ahead? end of the show. Let's let's talk about it at all the right. end of the show. I'd be very surprised if our listeners Give me your non-spoilery sentence. I gave the episode a B minus. Hmm. I gave the season, the last eight episodes, like a C minus. But I thought the ending was appropriate, and I feel closure. I have many questions, but I feel closure. Uh, My theory is that they sort of 
set themselves up for a big challenge by having a lot of source material to work with and then suddenly having almost no source material to work with. And that was a tonal change. You could feel it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I felt like they stuck the landing pretty well because they probably had a little more source material at the end. My guess is that they, you know, George R. R. Martin lined out like, well, I'm thinking about going this way, this way, and this way, and probably having people land here, here, and here. And Mm -hmm. so the landing here, here, and here was a little more, it felt a little more definitive than necessarily how we got there. Totally. Well, we'll, we'll talk more at the end. Okay. Uh, then Tamahome wanted to point out that the incomparable podcast from Jason Snell and friends read all the Nebula nominees. I wonder how much time they gave themselves to do that. I wish I could accomplish that. So I, I am, uh, I am in nothing but respect for the incomparable podcast, read all the Nebula nominees and had a a lovely conversation, uh, an episode about all of them. And they say they're going to do the same thing for the Hugo nominees too. Excellent. And they did, they did, um, consensus rankings, average placement. Um, so they gave trail of lightning 2.3 blackfish city, 2.8, the calculating stars, 3.3. This must be out of five. Spinning Silver, 3.8, and the Poppy War slash Witchmark tie at 4.5. Wow. Uh, so I guess that means they would have given the Nebula to the Poppy War. Or Witchmark. So, or Witchmark. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the, or both. They would have given it uh, a co- co-Nebula. The I first suppose. tie. Yeah. I don't know if that's the first tie. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, thank you, Tom Helme, for that. Indeed. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Buzz says, uh, go ahead. Go, this well, is you. You're LA. Yeah, Buzz, you do it. I, I met Buzz. Uh, Buzz said, great time at the Los Angeles Sword and Laser meetup in North Hollywood with Kelly, Lisa, and Ali. Uh, the next one will be in June, either the 15th or the 29th. We put the LA in Sword and Laser. <laughs> Uh, Buzz was great. Uh, Andrew Maine came out as well. And we had a lovely time. So if there's more LA people who can make it, uh, please join us once we nail down that date. We are in um, in a transitional phase for mm. the San Francisco group because the Borderlands Cafe is closing. Mm. And that's where we've done our meetup for years. And so now we're trying to find a new space. And then I was a lame-o, lame-o butthead. Lame, mm. lame butthead. Mm. And mm-hmm. just totally forgot this week. Mm-hmm. Just totally didn't even show up. Got the text from Josh being like, it's almost I'm like here you have some job or something, some full time oh, job. I know. That's not an excuse. Everyone else in the group does too. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't add it to my calendar and that was a mistake. All right, so. folks. Feedback at swordandlaser.com and let <laughs> Veronica know that she's being too hard on herself. I'm it's sorry. Fine. I just feel really bad. Anyway, Benedict says, I haven't read many sci-fi books, but I am thoroughly enjoying The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. I believe it was mentioned on Sword and Laser not that long ago, possibly a monthly read. Anyway, sorry, you two. I only just got around to it. Yeah, we read it. Uh, we did read it. We loved was it. it. Al- was it an alternate No, pick? I think it was a pick. It was a main pick. I remember uh, reading it and talking about it. That's why I can't remember if it was an alt pick on uh, on the, like, was it an alt pick on the tournament or something? Anyway, yeah. Uh, we read it. It was awesome. And you're right. It's great. And keep reading because the others are good too. And yeah, I still have to read the third one. All hail Becky Chambers. <laughs> uh, Nancy says today I switched things up on my blog by posting about my favorite podcasts, including Blastburn Radio, The Creative Pen, Delete This Pod, Sword and Laser. Uh, today explained and writing excuses, among others. 
Uh, Sword and Laser is the podcast that I've been listening to the longest. Honest by Veronica Belmont and Tom Merritt, The Sword and Laser is a fantastic resource for news related to science fiction and fantasy books and authors. They also run a monthly book club with some wonderful choices. If it hadn't been for The Sword and Laser, I surely would have missed out on some fantastic books. Thanks, Nancy. That's our poll quote. That's great. Thank <laughs> that you. That is. That is. And then finally, we have a Goodreads thread that's more than a bookstore. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Different one. Different song. I think this was more than a bookstore. More than a bookstore, <laughs> bookstore to, to me. me. Yes, that's it. That's it. I, wow. What was the one that I just did? I don't know what that one was. I thought that was an actual bookstore jingle, maybe. No, that was a song. I just can't remember what song that was. But anyway, John Teloni says, when I first opened the other thread about a bookstore, my thought was cool. Let's talk about great bookstores we've been in. Except that wasn't what the thread was about. <laughs> thought about camping on that thread, but meh. So apologies to the Bee Gees. What bookstore is more than a bookstore to you? For me, it was a science fantasy, science fantasy bookstore in Cambridge, Mass. It's long gone now. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was run as a labor of love by a guy named Spike. Never asked him his real name. If it was his first name or last name, he was just Spike. Great selection of used and some new, all together in a walk-up shop a few hundred yards from the Harvard Square trolley stop. I went there many times to get most of my science fiction from that store. Spike knew more about science fiction than I ever could have gleaned. If I liked an author, he knew similar ones. It was just if uh, if it was just a particular book or a series by an author I otherwise was met about, he had suggestions. Or I just browsed the shelves and picked up whatever looked good. His stock was comprehensive. Spike was always good for a conversation. At one point, he asked me if I came from money. How he got that idea, I don't know. We were middle class at most. A little delving showed that he did and that the store was his way of living the life he wanted and giving back to the community he loved. I'd met so many obnoxious snooty uppers in Boston that his story was a refreshing surprise. Of all the moneyed class I'd ever met, Spike stands near Larry Niven in the, quote, best use of inherited money. Ah, what a lovely story. Especially really when you're nice. talking about some Tony guy. Yeah, I I used to go to that that stop a lot. I wish it had still been there when I was in college because oh. I would have definitely hung out there as well. I have three that I'll mention. I'll make it quick. Mm -hmm. uh, first is Pages for All Ages in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, in my later years in college at the University of Illinois, I would drive out to Pages for All Ages and it was just an oasis because it was out away from the campus. So it wasn't full of students. It was a clean, uh, well-lighted place for books, I think was their slogan. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, they had like the nice overstuffed chairs. And this was back in, you know, 1991 before that became the commonplace thing. Uh, they had free coffee, great selection free of books. Free coffee? Yeah. Just a, a big urn of, of black coffee that you could just go and, and get yourself a cup of coffee and go sit down and, and take a look at some books. Um, it was, it was fantastic. And I think it saved my sanity sometimes. Cause I would just, when everything got too much in those later years of studying and pressure, I would just drive out there and spend some time. It was fantastic. I also used the, uh, science fiction section at the Barnes and Noble in Austin, Texas, the same way, even <laughs> though it was a Barnes and Noble, it was just this little oasis. I could go and look at all the Star Trek books. Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course, half price books on 
3110 Guadalupe Street. It's not there anymore. It moved up to North Lamar, but that was my job for six years in Austin. Uh, and I ran the sci-fi section. I ran the LP section. I ran the history section, the religion section, met some of the greatest people in the world working there, had great times and was just surrounded by books 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Borderlands is that for me, which is especially hard now that it's moving away from my neighborhood and the cafe is mm. closing. So that's sad. But uh, in in this thread also, uh, Minsta says, my husband remembers Spike as well and enjoyed this walk down memory lane. Oh, that's great. So I thought that I was pretty Spike's nice. Doing these I know. Days. If anyone knows if Spike, still if he's yeah. still around, still doing book stuff, let us know. That'd be amazing. Um, so, yeah, that, I thought that was really nice. I love bookstores. I, Get I'm in on the thread, they're... folks. Share yeah. your bookstore memories. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book of the month. We should announce the June pick. Yes, indeed. Uh, the June pick uh, is what well, you should do the announcing. You're, it's your pick. It's a it's a sword pick. <laughs> All right. It is a sword pick. It is a, a classic sword pick. It's one that I've been, meant to dig into for a long time. It's also my best friend's book, favorite book, rather, Um and she's Your not best? a big sci-fi fan. Yeah, my best friend wrote this book. My best friend <laughs> is no Peter idea. S. Beagle. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that. No, it's my friend Megan. No idea. Oh, cool. um, but yeah, we're going to be reading The Last Unicorn. I'm very excited. This is probably going to be a fast read. It's mm-hmm. it's short uh, and it's lovely. It's about a unicorn who is the last unicorn. Not a spoiler. It's the name of the book. And, uh, and, and according to what I've read on, on the jacket copy of the book, uh, it is about a unicorn, uh, that believes she is the last of her kind, but goes on a quest to find out what happened to all the others. Yay. Um, so I'm excited to read this one. It is, uh, doesn't seem to be available on Kindle or auto audio book. Your mileage may vary on that. I could yeah, not find a Kindle version. Uh, I could not find an audio audiobook version in the U S Although I did see listings for both outside the U.S., I ended up just buying a good old-fashioned paper copy of it, which I haven't read in uh, an actual paper copy of a book in a while. So this this will be fun for me. Uh, but you might want to check your libraries, uh, look mm-hmm. it up that way, because I think there may be some rights transitioning going on with The Last Unicorn's digital versions, and mm-hmm. it's not quite back in print for that. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but... Uh, yeah, uh, we're giving you a little, you know, a little heads up here so that, you know, to, to go and find it, but once you find it, it, it will be a fast read. Excellent. Yeah. I'm looking forward I say to this that one. as a slow reader. I know people are like, what are you talking about? Why do I care if it's a fast read? Um, for me, that's important sometimes. I'm mad at myself because I just <laughs> bought the paperback and I didn't even think to check my library. I actually in... looked on, um, what's Ugh. the one I use? I think it's Hoopla. Is the the one I use for the L.A. public libraries. Uh, I did check there and you couldn't get a digital version of it. I guess I could have tried to get a print version of it. Right, 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 right. Um, Okay, well, that's the that's going to be the June pick. So get uh, get your get your copies going. Get over to the library, get over to your used bookstore. Book briefing went out today at patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can find out all about Peter Beagle. One of the few authors that we have read that went to school for writing and oh, became a writer mm-hmm. didn't there's not like oh he went to school for writing and then became a a, a IT worker or, you know or worked in yeah. coffee. no it's like he won a scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh graduated in creative writing got a fellowship at Stanford where it was there with Ken Kesey and 
uh, Larry McMurtry, you know, yeah, like Ken Kesey. That's yeah, awesome. Pretty good, uh, pretty good career uh, tra- track uh, for Peter S. Beagle. Also did a lot of television writing. Uh, if you ever saw the episode Sarek on Star Trek: Ooh. The Next Generation, written yeah. by Peter S. Beagle, uh, he also wrote the screenplay for the 1978 animated Lord of the Rings. Wow, that's awesome. All right, well, let's uh, real fast wrap up The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. Um, so, uh, Tom. Yes, Veronica. I'm uh, not finished the book. Uh, I didn't realize. I wasn't, sure. wasn't going to out you. It's um, okay. It's all right. I'm you halfway You will finish through. it, though, right? I will. I intend to finish it. It's not, it's not even a thing you can necessarily spoil, either. I can because, tell you my favorite I mean, short stories. How far? How far in are you? I'm still? halfway through. Oh my gosh, you're still ha- only halfway. Okay. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite story so far? Okay, my favorite story so far is uh, Night Meeting. Mm-hmm. Do you know that one? Do you want me to? No. Ex- okay. So in that one, there is a, uh, a a young traveler, Tomas Gomez, and he's driving across Mars. He's going to mm-hmm. a party. And he stops because he gets like this funny feeling and he, he meets a Martian and like people haven't met any Martians. I mean, that's, they, they feel like they're out there, but they haven't actually like come across them yet. And so when he starts talking to this other Mart to this Martian, whose name is like Muhe Ka or Muhe Sa or whatever, they both appear to the other to be like translucent and they can't Mm -hmm. touch each other and they can't like pass things to each other. And they realize or figure out that they may be at a meeting place across time. Yeah. And and they get into an argument about who is in the past and who's Uh in in the present and who's alive and who's dead. That is a good one. Yeah. And it was just really, it was really interesting. It was, um, it just evoked an interesting feeling. That I liked. You know, what's funny about that one is I didn't recognize it by the title, but mm-hmm. as soon as you said it, I re I remember where I was when I was listening to that part of the audiobook. Ooh. Like that one, that one stuck in my brain. I was playing in the backyard with my dogs while listening, <laughs> while listening to that. And it was sunny. Uh, and I was standing over by the hammock we have back there. Like I mm-hmm. I, I can picture it. Like yeah. that one really like did did stuck resonate. Out. Yeah. And I also really liked uh the green morning. And that was the one um, where there's the the guy Benjamin Driscoll, and he's planting seeds all across Mars. He's like, oh, he's like the Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He gets I feel the like planet. You're more than halfway, then, if you. But anyway, and I'm not. I'm not. There's so many more stories to go. And I just thought it was really nice. Like he he was like, oh, what can I do to make to to like put my mark on this world to make it better. I can't breathe well. I'm going to build, I'm going to grow trees to make the planet green and, and give oxygen. And so he goes out and starts planting them and then mm-hmm. it finally rains and it hasn't rained yet. And he wakes up the next morning and the trees are all fully grown. And I just thought like visually in my mind that that seems so beautiful and magical and otherworldly. I think my favorites, and I don't remember the names of them and I don't have them all uh, right in front of me right at the moment, but I, I like I like the one that was actually taken out uh, for a short period of time about race relations in the South, because as uncomfortable as it is to read about the way things are described from back then, I th- I think they're fairly accurate. Was it way uh, in the middle of the air? Yes, that's the one. Okay. Um, and and I think the the lesson to be drawn from it is not, you know, avoid 
saying or, or, or describing the, the the nasty things that people said and did back there, but drawing out of that story, the fact that, you know, this march of progress and technology was giving people uh, the chance to take control of their lives in a way that was prohibited but for them up until that point. Uh, and I, I think Bradbury was maybe trying to say, hey, there's promise in the future here. I, and I found it, you know, despite its nastiness of its characters to be rather hopeful in the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten to that one yet. I also really like, um, I really like uh, the early, one of the early ones where you've got not the first one where the, the guy is like really jealous of his wife. Who, yeah, that was, <laughs> who a, weird, that that was, was a weird, weird one. Um, but there's an earlier, there's another one where they, they come and the, and the Martians kind of play tricks on them and like pretend to be family members and stuff. And I was like, clever, yeah, clever Martians. That was, that was, one. um, yeah, not the Earthmen. That was the, uh, no, it's not that one. The third expedition. Yes. I think it's yeah, the third, the third expedition. expedition. Yeah. yeah. That's the one where they're the family members and it ends like kind of scary mm-hmm. where he like figures it out. Oh, that was creepy. I liked that one too. It was scary though. Cause I felt like it was such a gentle self-defense of like, we're just going to make you happy until you're gone. <laughs> until you're asleep and then we're going <laughs> to kill you. Uh, yeah. That was interesting. Cause yeah, that, that through line that like Martians are known to have telepathy and are able to give you hallucinations. And that's just like one of the things that comes back in a few of the different stories. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not done for sure either for you. I don't think. Yeah. They keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I think it shows up at least one other time that I can think of. Okay. Oh, you mean the telepathy part? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm not going to read through these, um, descriptions of these other short stories because I don't want to spoil it for myself. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was, it's so far so good. It's been, I like going through one story at a time. Um, it's a little harder for me. I don't do a lot of short stories, so it, it's hard for me to get sucked into it because it changes. And so I don't feel mm-hmm. that pull to keep coming back to with it. Characters, yeah. 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 I think that's, you know, on, on, on saying that out loud, I really feel like that's the reason I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. Um, but it's it's been it's been good. It, the writing, like I said, I think when we did the when we first started talking about it, it's just really interesting to me and good. Like the, his prose is excellent. I actually saved. Obviously, I mean he's whatever he's he's Ray Bradbury, right? <laughs> but I he really writes like, like he's Ray Bradbury because he's Ray something. Bradbury. Um, I like this line. Um, they quit trying too hard to destroy everything, to humble everything. They blended religion and art and science because, at base, science is no more than an investigation of a miracle we can never explain, and art is an interpretation of that miracle. Yeah, good stuff. A good like, line. That's, that's good. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. All right, so that will serve as our wrap-up because we won't have a a discussion episode for a couple of weeks, although we do have our interview episodes coming. Don't forget about those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week will be Rebecca Roanhorse. Then we'll come back with our our discussion episode in two weeks and then uh, Greg Van Eekhout interview the week after that. Uh, Before we go today, though, we are going to have a spoilery discussion of the Game of Thrones television show starting now. Veronica, give me your spoilery take. And how you felt about not just the final episode, but the the whole run, the eight season run, the eight season run. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Just All sum right. it up in like two words. Go. <clears throat> it was just such such an adventure. 
mm-hmm. such like I I mean I I'm not going to be one of those people that looks back at the whole run of the show and is like, ugh, I coffee didn't like cup. the ending, whatever, coffee cup, water bottle, whatever. I just really appreciate the artistry that went into the show. And I know it wasn't for everyone, and it definitely had its violent moments, and it had, it, it kind of formed the way we think about TV in some ways. I mean, we've been watching this show a long time, yeah, like over 10 years. I've lived in three different houses during the run of this show. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. In fact, have I lived in four? I think just three though. (laughs) So I'm going to be, you know, the, the, what they pulled off is pretty astonishing. I mean, it's just a overall, a phenomenal work of art. Um, and that I'm really happy. Like I had some amazing moments with that. I got to do the, the red carpet for them twice. Yeah. That was pretty great. I got to meet the actors. Like it felt like such a big part of my life. Like the conversations we've had in the forums, like getting to interview George R. R. Martin. Like we did, like it was a huge part of our lives for a long time. We read Game of Thrones as a sword and laser pick before there was a television show. Yeah. Uh, did we? That Is that you true? In, you introduced me to, to George R. R. Martin. I read Game of Thrones and then continued yeah. reading all the books. And then the show came. Yeah. So if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have been as well prepared. It's like for the first fantasy show. book my husband yeah. ever read. And he's uh-huh. like, he knows more about the lore of that world than I do by like a lot at this point. And this last season, I mean, it was tough because I think as you alluded to, we the time frame just got so condensed. And I feel like they could have done two seasons of the Night King and and figuring out the the White Walkers and all that two seasons of getting Cersei off the throne and two seasons of Daenerys like or a season of Daenerys like taking over and becoming the person that she became at the very end you know it just it felt like we hit a wall and then all of a sudden we had to figure out these three storylines in three episodes and it just felt way too rushed and Daenerys especially her 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 fall into madness at the end it just it didn't feel it didn't feel like it landed because that person just arrived like 3 episodes ago yeah i i very to much that extent. have a better appreciation for why george r r martin is taking so long to write these books yeah uh for instance a feast for crows and a dance with dragons were supposed to be one book and he decided I can't tell these stories properly in one book. So he split them up. Half the story went into Feast for Crows. Half went into A Dance with Dragons. And you've got 1,800 pages of what was going to be a single book. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's double the number of pages of A Storm of Swords uh, in what was going to be a single book. So he did the right thing and he broke them up. I feel like we're seeing that in the season seven and eight where they probably needed that to happen. They probably needed to make season seven, two seasons. They needed to make eight, two seasons. Instead, what they did was they took season seven, broke it in half and made it into two Mm -hmm. half seasons. Cause season eight was, you know, a shorter number of episodes, only six episodes. Uh, So I'm not saying this means that the winds of winter and a dream of spring will also be uh, split in half, but, it is why it's taking him so long to figure out how to properly tell this story because he doesn't want you shortchanged in that buildup. And I, I'm with you. I, on paper, see everything that I'm supposed to have have seen 
to build up to Daenerys's decision. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had felt it. Yeah. It would be an amazing ride to go along and say like, oh my gosh, this character that I I know and respected and was cheering to stand up for herself at one point, like Mm -hmm. get some confidence. You can rule Marine, you know, went too far (laughs) uh, and and got too much confidence. And, and that makes sense. Somebody who was never raised and taught how to handle power, uh, uh, would would likely overdo it, you know, and run too far once they once they or, got that power and confidence. If we're supposed to believe that she did lose the coin toss of Targaryen madness, mm. you know, if if that is what they're trying to convey, we didn't get that either. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's it's yeah, that, that's a harder one because like, well, then why wasn't she crazier? Earlier? I know it wasn't <laughs> she was crazy in two weeks. So also, but I could um, see, I could see them gently leading us in into like every decision she makes, we understand until one day we look up and realize, oh my gosh, it's a fascist state. How did we get here? We can't, <laughs> we can't allow this because that's what Jon Snow was doing. That's what they showed him doing. Was like, no, no, she's right. Okay, yeah, no, she's right. Oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Where did we end up? Yeah. Uh, and and it. I think it's a lesson in putting your blind faith in a leader because of what they have done without paying attention to what they are doing because people are mm-hmm. inconsistent and people change. So I think it's a great story. Uh, I I can't wait to read it. Yeah. yeah. I, also, I also almost feel spoiled by the end because each ending they showed us in the final episode felt so spot on to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yes, that's where I would think Jon Snow would go. Yes, that's where I, I would think... Uh, Arya would go. That's what I would want to happen for Sansa. Uh, that I wonder if these aren't the actual endings that George R. R. Martin has, has in mind. Although, with that said, George R. R. Martin is a writer, and writers may have endings in mind that they revise because there's editing and changing mm-hmm. and go, you know what? That's not going to work. I'm going to have to change it. So by the time we get his written work, it may have different endings than what he thought would be the ending when he told Benioff and Weiss, the producers totally. of Game of Thrones, what the ending would be. Which will be exciting. That'll be yeah, super exciting. Um, I, I, I liked, uh, yeah, the, the whole conversation online about Jon Snow and like, why even make him a Targaryen at that point? Like, why, why did he do that? Why did he come back to life? I read a really great um, analysis. I forget where, but it, it, it really hit home to me, which is that, John's whole thing is duty. And like he says that line at the end, like like love is the is the killer of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and he literally has to go against that and be like his duty is to the realm of men. Like that's who he is. He's been trained his entire life to protect the realm of men and to to be the shield. And so at the end, he is the shield and he doesn't want power. He doesn't need it. That's not what he's all about. He's about duty. And the only thing he doesn't stick to duty for is at the very end where he goes back to the wall. And instead of staying at the wall, he's like, mm, I'm going to go with the free folk. You know, I, I actually go heard, the wall. I heard someone say like, he, uh, maybe he's just a, being, doing a ranger thing. I mean, maybe I prefer to think that the he's wall all the time. I prefer uh, to think he's King beyond the wall now. Well, I, I think you, you're allowed to think either way. Right. Yeah. But if it really bothered you, like, I don't think Jon Snow would leave his post. Well, then just think he, he's doing what Uncle Benjen did. Right. He's just he's leading he, them back. He, he's heading, heading out with Tormund to make sure they're all good and then he'll come back. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm like you. I think he's the new man's raider. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep, totally. For sure. Totally. Um, but, Which I like. Yeah, I, I like that, too. And, and that that feels right. 
to me because he's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've died. I fulfilled my obligation. Yeah. Peace out. And then, I'm not even, I'm not even a snow. I'm Targaryen. I can do what I, I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Arya, like, I, I thought it was very fitting. I thought it was good, her ending, but did we just, did they just forget that she was like a faceless man and like that whole training? Like, I guess it just seemed like it w- kind of went nowhere. Well, like she her, killed Freys, and that was she all. Killed and, 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 and she and killed, killed the Night King. And she killed, and the, she Night killed King. the Night King. So, no. I guess she it used didn't, it. Okay. She didn't, you don't always have to use faces. Just because you can put on a face doesn't mean you have to. I would always use faces. <laughs> See, that's why you're not a faceless that's, person. That's why I'm not a faceless person. <laughs> um, and Sansa was perfect. Sansa got exactly what Sansa wanted, what Sansa was destined to be. She's royalty through and through. I think she'll do an awesome job in the North. Um, good for her. I'm glad she she has that ending. I was happy for her. Oh, and Tyrion. Tyrion gets to be the hand. Uh, gets to run stuff. That's yep. perfect. We've got our funny little council. Yeah, with Bronn, um, Master of the Coin, sure. Whatever, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, and, and uh, Brienne uh, as uh, the, the Kingsguard. Yep. And, uh, and Podrick as Kingsguard as well. Yeah, so... I mean, we haven't all- actually mentioned the king... <laughs> okay, so Bran, let's talk about Bran for a second. <laughs> so he knew all of these people were going to just die. Why do you think I came here? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I wanted the whole city of King's Landing to burn. I wanted the yeah, Red Keep to fall so I could just is, be here at the place and the time I was supposed to be so I could be king. This is not spoiler, but it's a Doctor Strange moment, right? He knows what's going to happen, and he also knows he can't stop it. Mm. All right. Seemed pretty shitty to not tell anybody. Well, but maybe he knew that if he told people, it would get worse. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, he may be like, no, this is the best outcome we can hope for. It, it's maybe really bad outcome, but, you know, I can't do anything about it. I can't interfere. I really just found him insufferable this whole season. <laughs> <laughs> just so annoying. Just so creepy and annoying in that voice. And, and it was like, I think Ugh. it's another. I think it's another character where it's so rich already in the books. Mm-hmm that I can't imagine it won't be even richer when we get this part. Whereas on screen, it plays as like, oh, what? I was drifting. Mm. <laughs> oh, you're here. I'm always I a knew, little stone. I knew you'd be here. Mm. Um, yes. So, yeah. Fine. Yeah. The so, things we do for love. Oh, burn. Sick burn. <laughs> I was I was not expecting that, though. I thought I thought Tyrion was going to name Sansa. Sansa. Yeah, although I think they they they've established that uh, Westeros is a sexist place, so yeah, it would have been harder to get them to agree to that. Also, Sansa doesn't want to be in King's Landing; she wants to be in an independent North. Mm-hmm. So naming her doesn't make sense in a couple of ways. One one is just the reality of the world of Westeros; the other is the reality of what Sansa wants. Yeah, I was just I had never considered it. That it would be Bran. It was a total surprise to me. So that was that was good. And we have, we have an elective monarchy. Who's going to rule after Bran? Oh, I love how Sam tried to like Bran. bring democracy into it. And they were like, <laughs> lol, no. Ah, uh, yeah. So it was great. I, I you know, I, I, uh, I don't know what else to add other than uh, good, good stuff. I enjoyed yeah. every every minute of it. I, even, it was a lot even when of fun. it changed its tone, I, I still enjoyed it and had fun and probably will watch it all again at some point. I'm not kidding. Awesome. We never got our Lady Stoneheart, but you know, you can't, you can't always get oh, what you want. She'll be in the books though. She George will. R. R. Martin That's even exciting. brought her up recently in an interview. 
Excellent. Excellent. All right, everybody, let us know your thoughts about the finale. We'll read them off next time at the end of the show. That'll be fun to get into. Send it over to feedback at swordandlaser.com. And of course, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. You can learn more and help support us over at patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Yes, thanks to Nicholas K. and Ariadne, among the people who are supporting us at patreon.com slash swordandlaser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links and find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!